0: I am Bishop Robert Gruse, the Bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City. In late May of 2015, the Diocese of Rapid City began an envisioning process meant to assist in clearly defining a course for ministry for the diocese for the next three to five years. The outcome of this process would help to strengthen and focus the resources of the diocese so that more effective ministry could be carried out in building up the church in western South Dakota. From this planning process came the diocesan priority plan, outlining a carefully defined mission statement to serve as the foundation. It also produced a set of core values that guides how we conduct ourselves as a diocese, a five-year vision statement to direct our plans, three major priorities for the diocese with supporting goals, and goals for the foundational ministries of the Church in western South Dakota. In July of 2016, I completed a pastoral letter Through Him, With Him, and In Him, A Spiritual Guide to the Diocesan Priority Plan. This document clearly defines the priority plan. I have invited and encouraged everyone in the diocese to read and fully engage this pastoral plan so that as our sacred mission states, each of us can do our part in attracting and forming intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ leading to eternal life. What you are about to hear is a reading from Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan, continuing with our core value of family. This will be followed by a group discussion with a panel of laymen and women and me. The Core Value of Family The sixth core value is the family. In today's world, one could define the family in many ways. Families in today's society take different forms traditional and non-traditional, two-parent and one-parent families, families where the parents are married and where parents are cohabitating, blended or reconstituted families, families created from same-sex unions. The complexity of families in today's multifaceted society brings many challenges and issues, too many to discuss in this document. In this priority plan, family has been defined as the domestic church the foundation of society, and a communion of persons called to reflect the life of the Trinity. These images are not to be taken lightly because they reveal the heart of God for the family. At a moment of history in which the family is the object of numerous forces that seek to destroy it or in some way to deform it, and aware that the well-being of society and her own good are intimately tied to the good of the family, the Church perceives in a more urgent and compelling way her mission of proclaiming to all people the plan of God for marriage and the family, ensuring their full vitality and human and Christian development, and thus contributing to the renewal of society and of the people of God. These words were a summoned to the Church to look carefully at the challenges faced by the family and society 35 years ago. They are just as important today, if not more important. Blessed Pope Paul VI taught... Quote, the family, like the church, ought to be a place where the gospel is transmitted and from which the gospel radiates. End of quote. In this way, families become what God has created them to be. The transmission of the gospel is the indispensable mission of the family, as designated by the Creator. When we look at the situation of families in our culture today, it is clear that the family needs to be rediscovered as the essential agent in the work of evangelization. Families need to reflect upon themselves, assessing whether or not they are living this mission daily. In the words of Pope St. John Paul II, families, become what you are. Let's look at these images of the family defined in this document. The Second Vatican Council spoke of the family as an image of the Church, a domestic Church, a place where we first learn about who God is and how we encounter Him in prayer. It is a place where we first learn how to love and serve our neighbor. It is a place where evangelization first begins for the laity. As a domestic church, it is a place where Christ is encountered within a community, an individual Christian family where each member plays a role in the mission of evangelization. We evangelize when we share faith, teach faith, and live faith. The Christian family is where this begins and should continue lifelong. Pope St. John Paul II wrote in Familiarius Consortio, quote, the family has the mission to guard, reveal, and communicate love, End of quote. This mission begins with the establishment of a community where a man and a woman enter into a sacred union in the sacrament of marriage. This domestic church is like a parish, a place called to reveal, communicate, and share love. It is a place where God's love is made present, both in the conjugal act and in the relationships among the family members. The family is frequently looked upon as a communion of persons called to reflect the life of the Trinity. The inner life of the Holy Trinity is a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From marriage, life, and love in the divine plan, we read, From all eternity the Father begets his Son in the love of the Spirit. In the beginning of the Son, the Father gives himself entirely over to the Son in the love of the Holy Spirit. The Son, having been begotten of the Father, perfectly returns that love by giving himself entirely over to the Father in the same Spirit of love. It is because he is begotten of the Father and loves the Father in the same Spirit that he is called Son. The Holy Spirit is then acknowledged as the mutual love of the Father for his Son and of the Son for his Father. This is why the Spirit is known as the gift of love. Here, one can see that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit give themselves entirely to one another in a life-giving exchange of love. Thus, the Trinity is a loving and life-giving communion of equal persons. The one God is the loving interrelationship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Marriage, in this way, is a communion of love between co-equal persons, beginning with the love between husband and wife, extending to all members of the family. This family community is called to live in loving harmony with one another and to provide mutual support to one another. The Trinitarian image in marriage and family life can be found in another way as well. Just as the Trinity of Persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a life-giving communion of love both in relationship to one another and to the whole of creation, So, as married couple shares in this life, giving communion of love by together procreating children in the conjugal act of love. Marriage, as a natural institution, predates both religion and government and is grounded in the nature of the human person. Until recently, human society, in the entire history of the human race, regardless of cultural variations, has always understood marriage as a union between a man and a woman with the purpose of procreating and educating children. Though same-sex unions are referred to as marriages, they cannot and never will be such, because it is God who has defined marriage from the beginning. The traditional family has always been the very foundation of society. Therefore, the common good of all, especially for our children, depends upon a society that strives to uphold the truth of marriage. Christ Jesus elevated marriage to a sacrament by abundantly blessing the many-faceted love, welling up as it does from the fountain of divine love and structured as it is on the model of his union with his church. The well-being of the individual person and of both human and Christian society is closely bound up with a healthy state of conjugal and family life. Though marriage and family life face many challenges today, some of which are the result of the weakening of faith and religious practices, a great number of children born out of wedlock oftentimes leading to lives lived below the poverty level and the effects of migration on family life we must continue to advocate for families to speak out against things which denigrate the family as god has designed it and to support things in the public sphere that help build up family and marriage it is important to speak of traditional marriage in a positive light revealing its beauty and giving young people reason to embrace this life of permanence when the culture does the opposite we also must find ways to assist families that are struggling to become stronger Pope Francis has invited us to the art of accompaniment, which teaches us to remove our sandals before the sacred ground of others. He writes, and I quote, Today more than ever we need men and women who, on the basis of their experience of accompanying others, are familiar with processes which call for prudence, understanding, patience, and docility to the Spirit, so that they can protect the sheep from wolves who would scatter the flock. We need to practice the art of listening, which is more than simply hearing. Listening, in communication, is an openness of heart, which makes possible that closeness without which genuine spiritual encounter cannot occur. Listening helps us to find the right gesture and word, which shows that we are more than simply bystanders. Only through such respectful and compassionate listening can we enter on the path of true growth and awaken a yearning for the Christian ideal the desire to respond fully to God's love and bring to fruition what he has sown in our lives, End of quote. In other words, we must befriend those families who are struggling, families who are challenged by the complexities of their situation, or families which we find living a different lifestyle other than what God desires in the eyes of the church, and accompany them lovingly, prayerfully, patiently, and compassionately, realizing that each person's situation before God and their life in grace are mysteries which no one can fully know from without. This includes couples who are having difficulty in their relationship. In times of marital challenges, the family can become destabilized, leading to the weakening of the family as a whole. In accompanying families with love, we earn their trust, and at the same time set before them examples of Christian family living, allowing God to move their hearts to conversion. The good news is that evidence gathered for the Third Extraordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops revealed that the desire to marry and form a family remains vibrant, especially among young people, and this is an inspiration to the Church. The synod on the family held during the last two years have brought into clear focus the challenges marriage and family face in our culture today. Pope Francis has offered some suggestions in Amoris Laetitia, his post synodal epistolic exhortation, to address some of the challenges. He writes, quote, As Christians, we can hardly stop advocating marriage simply to avoid countering contemporary sensibilities, or out of a desire to be fashionable or a sense of helplessness in the face of human and moral failings. We would be depriving the world of values that we can and must offer. What we need is a more responsible and generous effort to present the reasons and motivations for choosing marriage and the family, and in this way to help men and women better to respond. To the grace that God offers them. End of quote. For more extensive coverage on marriage and family life today, please take the time to read Pope Francis's post synodal apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, published in April 2016. Behaviors which exemplify the core value of family. We pray as families and for families. As family members, we will pray to Jesus for an openness to our Catholic faith. We will support and promote the Church's understanding of marriage and family life. We will promote the value of participation in the diocesan marriage preparation program. With prudence, understanding, patience, and docility to the Spirit, we will accompany families in their various forms in the universal call to holiness. We will provide and participate in faith formation opportunities. As parents and guardians, we will be the primary educators of our children in the Catholic faith. As family members, we will demonstrate our faith, for example, by attending Mass, participating in daily prayer, and catechetical formation. We will cultivate a culture of vocations in family life. There are many behaviors which can assist in strengthening marriage and family life, thus making them what God has envisioned. The Church can be that pastoral arm which reaches out to help couples and families who are struggling. Good Catholic families can be a great witness to what is possible if God becomes the center of family life. The behaviors listed above exemplifying this core value of family speak to ways in which we as a Church could address some of the challenges in strengthening family life in a concrete way. Take time to reflect upon your own marriage and family situation. What are some concrete ways in which you could apply these behaviors to your lives? What are some concrete ways in which you could reach out to others to help address the challenges they may be facing, which might impact their efforts to grow as holy families and as couples united in sacrificial love? Living in Union with Jesus As stated earlier, values are forms of communication. They always communicate what we believe and what is important to us. If we are true to these core values and other holy values that we personally claim as our own, our lives will reflect the heart and mission of the gospel. Living these values enables us to live out our call to discipleship in union with Jesus, where we seek what He seeks and love what He loves. If we are not currently living these values, meaning they are not part of our lives in very practical ways, we need to beseech the Lord's grace daily, asking Him to open our lukewarm hearts, and teaches how to bring them into our lives if we do not put these values into practice then our light will not shine before others so that they may see good deeds and glorify our heavenly father even though we may practice some of these values regularly in our lives we can become people of routine or easily get caught up in the busyness of our lives becoming less intentional about them or we may practice only the values with which we are most comfortable The Lord calls us out of our comfort zones into the deep, even to walk on water. This is a true life of faith. It is too easy to want to live our faith life as something in the background of daily living, or on our own terms. When faith remains in the background, we are not living in union with Jesus. When we are not living in union with Jesus, we are not living out our call to discipleship, and therefore will not embrace the mission of the gospel. These core values help keep our lives more clearly focused on the true purpose in life and reveal to others our authentic self in Christ. Well, I'd like to welcome you, panel, for this discussion on um, the core value of family. And before we get started, we would just invite you to introduce yourself, share a little about yourself to our listening audience.
1: Uh, my name is Jenny Shear. I'm a member at Our Lady of the Black Hills in Piedmont. Um, I have four children on earth and a daughter in heaven.
2: I'm Dory O'Connor. Um, I go to the cathedral here in Rapid City, and I have two kiddos, a four and a two-year-old, and I help out with the marriage prep program at Cathedral, too.
3: My name is Mark Hazel. Uh, yeah, I go to the cathedral of the Lady Perpetual Help. I have a beautiful wife, Ann, and six small children, all under ten. So it keeps you busy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, welcome. That's awesome. It's good
0: to have you with us today. Yeah, obviously, we're talking about the core value of families. One of the core values, that uh, we have embraced as a priest, and the diocesan priority plan one of the images that um, i wrote about and through him with him and in him was uh, you know the family is the image of a domestic church how would you respond to that how would that might look like in your own family so a domestic church what would that look like to you in your own family
2: um in our family sort of mimics my husband um, is the leader he is the head of the household that it's our responsibility as parents for the formation of our children and we don't take that very lightly that's important for us that we want to make sure that what we are teaching our kids that that we are knowledgeable about not just assuming that somebody else is going to to take over that responsibility um, and so the domestic church whatever that we deem is valuable that's what we're teaching our kids and we also mimic that at home
1: what we see at church so
0: okay, great thank you
1: For us, it's just keeping God a priority in our lives of how we live, especially in our conversations with one another, always talking about vocation and what God has called each of us to be, and being an active parishioner, an active disciple, being active in the church, and then how do we live that at home and when we go to school and when we go to work, how we're evangelizing and being a witness to to everybody that we meet.
3: When I hear that, I think of before I got married, I remember hearing... St. Paul said, pray always. And I really, at first didn't understand what that meant. I didn't know, pray always, like what was that? That's before I was praying or understood what prayer was. Now that I'm married, I have a family, I understand that. St. Paul, when he, when he says pray always, when you go to Mass, everything revolves around sacrifice and then forgiveness and thanksgiving. And all that happens in the family as well. I know that now I can see that praying always, how we have to, in the family, bring that into the world after church. When we get home, it continues. We continue that prayer. We continue living that life of love of Jesus. So when I hear domestic church, I, I think of go at the end of Mass, we go out. We take ourselves and we become that until we back to mass again and recollect and, and
0: it's just a constant prayer so you so you you live that which we celebrate in the eucharist because yes. we take it back home and try in the best way we can right mm-hmm. you have know, to live that one which we receive you know, one of the other images of the, of the family is the holy trinity that god has begotten the son out of his love and the holy spirit is the love that's deeply shared between the father and son and so i think you can kind of see how a family is called to live that kind of life, no? That the love between husband and wife begets children, brings new life into the world, and, and then that love that's shared between the family unit is really is a Trinitarian love. It's a love that's modeled after the Holy Trinity. And it's hard to live that way though. Yes, it, it know, is. <laughs> what would the challenges be? Why is that <laughs> such a challenge sometimes?
1: Family life is messy, you know, you don't always agree or get along well with the people in your family and I mean we're human and it would be my temper my patience has run out especially with my children sometimes just me and my husband disagreeing on some situation but that's what's great is having the faith of the Catholic faith is that having God as the center brings you back and you can ask for forgiveness and trying to make it work the best you can
0: you know some people when they think about the holy family um, how often have I heard well I could never be like the holy family and why is that I think it's because people, they interchange the words holy and perfect. We have a lot of saints in our Catholic tradition, right? Mm-hmm. They're holy, but they're, they're not perfect. And so when I think we have to distinguish. We're called, I like, you know, on the Feast of the Holy Family, it's always that you know, we want to be like the Holy Family. Well, you know, the Holy Family, one was conceived without sin, and the other one is God, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's about as closest to perfection on earth as you can get. But, you know, families are not called to be perfect. But we all do have a universal call to holiness. And uh, we're called to live that out, no matter what vocation we are to have in life, your particular vocations to marriage and family. You know, you're, uh, you're called to, you know, is to seek holiness in your family life, not perfection. You know, perfection is the other side. So hopefully that encourages families, I mean, in their, in their own way, that it's not about perfection, it's about seeking holiness. And that's a challenge in today's world, no? Mm-hmm. So what are some ways in, in your own families which you try to bring that holiness of life? So our young people or you know, your children will really understand what this is a call to them as well.
2: Um, we have found it very helpful to just be genuine, not only in our faith, but in our relationships with people. And so just connecting with other families, other families that are very genuine, that, as Jenny said, it gets messy and your patience might run thin or whatnot, but that you can share that. And these other families who are in the same situation can lift you up and say, oh, yes, I've I've been there. Oh, yes, and patience, mm-hmm, I've been there, and disagreements or whatnot, but that they have this basis of faith, and that's what brings them back so that they can have these discussions on how to communicate better or how to live lives, like you said, holier. But we found it really helpful to surround ourselves with other families that that are really genuine in their faith and we can share that with them.
3: Yeah, the small children interacting with each other and they do things to each other. (laughs) You have to get involved and you have to discipline, you have to understand them too where they're at and kind of bring them along and how that happens in the faith it's a challenge because you get to see your own faults i see my faults all the time my children bring them right up <laughs> and um so we go we practice we go to confession once a month because we need it our oldest daughter goes to confession and it's just so it's practice that when they do something then there's uh, to someone else they take a toy it's like these little things but to them it's everything it's like they took my toy and um then they go fighting, and then they have to stop and realize it and forgive. But they don't want to forgive, so <laughs> they just gotta keep working at it and keep doing it and getting
0: it. Well, that's the fall of human nature, I think, right? We're still affected by original sin. You know, forgiveness isn't always the most natural thing, because we all have our own stuff, right? Oh, yeah. But I think it's so beautiful to think about, Mark, in the sense that even with your kids preparing for the sacrament of penance, that you can practice that with them at home before they get to the moment where they're going to so become more comfortable. Once, once the moment arrives when they're actually receiving the sacrament, or participating in the sacrament and this encounter with Jesus and this love and mercy that there's a, one, there's a familiarity with it, but there's a sort of a comfort level by, by a way that it's, it's being lived out in, in, in your own home. In today's world, I mean, it can be said, and it has been said, that you know, the family is under attack today. How do, how do we respond to that? You know, if that's, if that's truly the case, and I think in many ways it is, in, in our secular culture, traditional family is under attack today. So how do we respond to those attacks as faithful Catholics, as faithful Catholic families? How do you respond to that?
1: I think by being witnesses of showing what a strong, good marriage looks like, a strong family, and just, I mean, being that if it's in your neighborhood... I mean, in the schools, at home, just just showing what a strong marriage looks like, showing it to our kids um, and if, as they get older and other kids come around that they can see that as well. But it's just, I think, living that every day.
2: I only have a, my oldest is four, but just the questions that he comes up with about family and he's already noticing certain things, you know, if he's watching, you know, a movie or whatnot and he'll start asking questions. And so for me as a parent, just making sure that I'm well-informed of being able to either answer another adult with that question or with my child in answering that. And so just educating myself, finding these different ways to talk to my children. I really want to be able to talk with my children, not just say, oh, that's a really good question, and then I'll get back to you on that. I, I would like to have an answer and and be able to visit with them and have this open conversation of, yes, that does look different that so-and-so might have two moms or that so-and-so's parents are divorced or whatnot. I just, I want them to be able to ask that and get some of those um, questions maybe answered of why that family or that particular household looks a little bit different.
3: Yeah, we use the, the catechism, so to give them the basic, like, this is this is the way it's supposed to be and we teach it. And they don't understand it a lot of times, they don't understand it. this a little bit now, but. As long as you communicate with them and talk and explain to them, I think that's really important is to talk to them and listen to them. Also discipline, I mean, they need that. But it, it helps them to, to understand when you say something, they, they listen. In doing that, then we can actually teach them the right and wrong that we see out there that, that is not right. There's a lot that's not right. You can't drive down the street. And there's things, with billboards and whatnot, you have to teach them you know, don't look, uh, things like that. But I think what, if you have that communication you keep it open all the time, and then as we grow in the faith and as we use a structured um, catechism to, to really teach it, they'll get it. I think they'll understand. I think they'll pick it right up. But uh, I think prayer has to be the main part of it too because if they can't just learn how to sit still and, and be at peace, to know what that is and to be quiet and to, to really have a dialogue with God and know what that means and it just... They may not understand it at first, but as you keep doing it, I think it comes.
0: You know, Saint John Paul II, he says, "Families become what you are. Become what you are." And we know that in the challenges of our culture today, and struggles that many families have, obviously, a, a strong family life comes from a strong marriage. And we have a lot of marriages today that are not strong and healthy. You know, so how can how can marriages be strengthened today? You know, to help. Families become what they're called to be. So if you know, somebody comes to you, you know, a couple comes to you because you know, they see that you and your family, you have it together. And, and you are and you have what we wish we could have. How did you get there? They might want to ask you. So what would you say to them?
2: Um, one thing, when we were going through marriage preparation, it was really we really spent a lot of time talking about, yes, your wedding is coming up, you have all these preparations to be made, that's important, but what are you doing beyond that? Your wedding day is one day, what are you doing to prepare? And so that got my husband and I um, talking about what do we want to do, what is important? And so um, getting involved and it just started small, just helped out with hospitality at our church And then as we got more comfortable, we just kind of stepped into just different ministries of the church and and got more familiar with it and met more people. Um, I'm a huge advocate for marriage prep. I think it gives you an opportunity to talk about just a variety of topics. And it's amazing when we see couples that come in what they haven't talked about. Hopefully, as we're going through these certain topics, that, that engages them in conversation. Not just, you know, how many children would you like, you know, are you going to have joint bank accounts, whatnot? But really getting them thinking, what, is, what does it look like five years from now? And what do you want your marriage to look like? You, if you're investing all this time and money in your wedding, how much time are you going to invest in your marriage? Challenging
1: them. At the core, that we have the same faith. That has been, I mean, a blessing that, I mean, God's grace working through from the beginning. And so that has been very helpful. And then my husband often challenges me in, in what I do and say, but also spending time together i know you talked about a lot about communication and talking but also having that time that we can be a couple we're not just mom and dad and running around with the kids but that we take time whether it be spiritually or just time for ourselves to grow to continue to grow in our relationship and to continue to have that love for each other so whether we just we go out for dates or sometimes when there's retreats also in the past we've had a couple's like bible study at our house and it'd be for family so they would come with their kids but then we would join with other couples and share our faith. And that was always very powerful and helpful.
3: For us, it was the rosary. When you sit down with everybody and you pray the rosary, you really have to sit down and pray the rosary. And it takes time and getting everyone to actually stop. In the beginning, it was easy because it was just Mary and then Joseph. and then Now there's a whole bunch of little people. It brings us all together. It really focuses us us. It's time to do this. and it, So the difficulties, once we start, it's just, But when you're done, it's just relaxed. You know, one of the things, when I used to do
0: marriage preparation, when I was a priest in a marriage, you know, one of the questions on the inventory for the couples was, are you comfortable praying with each other? Or it was something like that, or are you comfortable or, um, or something like that. And I would say, nine times out of ten, the couples would say no, which means they're not praying with each other. So if you're preparing somebody for marriage and you know where does prayer between you and your spouse come into your relationship and the strength of your relationship and the strength of your family how does that kind of fit in because i think you know if we're going to be disciples of jesus right no matter what the vocation we're called to be in prayer has to be the foundation of that relationship not only with jesus but with your spouse no is that challenging for you
1: it, that is challenging for me i mean. We celebrate each week in the greatest prayer and going to Mass. But we do, it's something I think both Eric and I need to work on as a couple, is praying together more at home. I feel like right now, you know, we're in the midst of things with little kids and other kids a little bit older, and so sometimes that, that just doesn't happen. So that would definitely be an area that we would need to work on.
2: I appreciate that you said that because there, there's a section um, called Intimacy in Prayer and so when we're talking to the couples and as we ask them questions, they are more comfortable talking about those issues of intimacy. But when you get to the prayer part, everybody gets really quiet. And so we have an activity where we invite them to just pray with each other. It's kind of a guided prayer. And I would say the majority of the couples, you know, their palms are sweaty and they're, this is maybe the first time they've ever prayed with each other. But the comments are that, wow, I really, I really enjoyed that that was different, that wasn't so hard. I just, I hope that that sticks with them and it doesn't have to be this, this very formal prayer, it can just be something very simple. Um, and since we have been helping with that, that's challenged my husband and I because I have a different way of speaking to God in my prayer life and that's different than how I speak to my husband. And so when you join those two, at first it is really awkward because it's, oh, here, Jesus, me, my husband, and it's this, <laughs> ah, yeah. But as we've practiced, it gets a little easier, but we, we too need to be more consistent with praying with each other.
0: So. You know, one of the um, things that I, I've experienced, not just with families in prayer, but I can be at a meeting, and I always want the priest or the bishop to lead the prayer to open the meeting. I think to myself, oh, you're a baptized Catholic, right? You've learned how to pray your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. So why doesn't why don't people want to pray publicly? why do couples have a hard time praying out loud with each other I, I think parts of that I don't maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong but people sometimes people think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it Is there a right way and a wrong way to relate to your spouse if it's in love and charity those, the words don't matter do they you know so the same way in prayer the words doesn't matter how they come out doesn't matter it, I, I guess for me it's just encouragement for couples to really if they if this is not a part of their marriage that yeah, they begin to explore that with one another, because I guarantee you, their marriage will become strengthened as they enter into a relationship with each other and with Jesus, with Christ at the same time. Because isn't that that's what prayer is? And isn't that what their marriage is called to be? You know, marriage is really, it's supposed to be the image of Christ's love for his church. And so if, to bring Christ into the center of the marriage, into the center of the relationship, by praying with one another, there's no right or wrong way to pray. But the important thing is is that prayer becomes a part of that relationship. And um, I, I think a, a lot of healing can happen in relationships you know, when, when couples begin to pray together. I think we would all agree, you know, our families in many ways, relationships, marriages in many ways today are fractured. With the way our culture as a society is and, and all the demands placed upon married couples, it's easier for relationships to become fractured. But I, I think prayer together, I think, can be a way in which... To help heal some of those fractured those wounds that come about just from being human and having to live together under one roof.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: i mean that would be my in my experience i guess when um, i'm not I've never been married but 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 i know what prayer can do in healing relationships and and hopefully if people can pray together now that will stop relationships becoming fractured in the future and it'll also bring healing to those areas of relationships that are already fractured. You know, we don't have a lot of time left, but there's a couple of things I wanted to get to. That You know, statistics show that the desire to marry and form a family remains very vibrant and desirable in our culture today. And we may not see that when you look out there because people are getting married later and people are living at home longer and so on, but there is a real desire, especially among young people. I don't know about you, but I, I find that to be a real inspiration to the
3: church. It brings me hope your thoughts on that? And when, when we go out with our children, we always get in a conversation with people because we have six little ones. And people will stop and talk to us and ask, like, how do you do it, this and that. And and it's just like we love each other. And when you love each other, you have children. And you just stay together, you grow together. And, of course, it's all together on the church because that's how we stay together because God teaches us how to do it. That's, we see that when we go out. People really want that.
2: Yeah, we see that too. Just with the couples that, that come through a marriage prep, there's this excitedness. And they share that they're coming from maybe homes that have divorced parents or grandparents or whatnot, but they still have this desire to be married because they believe in this relationship, this lasting relationship that can be built. And so they are excited, and it's good, to, it's good for our marriage to see these excited couples. And so hopefully they will stay within the church, but it is, it's good to see that. It's exciting.
0: We're coming up to the end of our time here together uh, today, but there are many behaviors which will exemplify this core value um, of family. And so I would just maybe like to hear from each of you as we kind of close out this time together. Two things. Is there a specific behavior that exemplifies the core value of a family that you practice in your own life? And um, what advice could you give to young families today? So why don't we start with you, Jenny? I
1: guess the core value for the family is keeping God at the center of our life and so by keeping God center is like is going to mass it's being active in our parish it's our children go to the faith formation and and I'm active helping out with that and just just encourage people I guess to get involved to not forget where we came from or what kind of drew us deeper into our faith life and it's that invitation and continue to invite people to, to come to be a part of things.
2: I, I would say some of the same things, just to be involved and start to get to know people. And I you know there's that awkwardness of meeting people, but when you just allow yourselves to be open and vulnerable, you meet a variety of, of families. That has really blessed our marriage and our family is just being active in the in the church and in the community. And just prayer, just always finding ways to pray, whether it be with my husband and myself or with our kids, just to be consistent with prayer.
3: Yeah, same prayer is definitely the, the way to begin because I remember St. John Paul saying, he said, um, it doesn't matter how you pray as long as you pray. And that right there for me, because I didn't know how to pray. And it's just once you start, then you learn. God will teach you, and then you get deeper and deeper. So if you do that as a family, and we're all together doing that, I think that through that, the fruits come, that you, you'll see, you'll get answers, and it's good. It's even in the toughest times and the things that happen. If you pray, you'll find in the end it's good, and there's always a solution to whatever the problem is. And one of the
0: common things that I heard among the three of you is one of the things that helps support and make your families what they are today is finding other families that have common desire in that. So you have a you know, support network around you of other families with children who, um, who support and who desire to support the, the pursuit of, of holiness within your own family, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think that is important, though, because then you have someone, you don't want to be alone out there. And when you have people around you that, that believe what you do and, and are able to embrace that kind of life that you have embraced as some as, um, as families, I think it just makes it better and, and it helps your own families to grow into what the Lord has called them to be, right? And I want to thank you for being with us today. You're, you were a part of this panel because because of your families and the way that you live out your faith within, within the life of your own family. And so thank you. But in the words of John Paul II, you know, families become what you are, right? So why don't we close in prayer? Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit,
2: as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son,
3: and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go now in the peace of Christ.
1: Thanks be to God.